Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we'll see how our lives are completely changed as we walk with Jesus in the new covenant. We can live in the light of God's grace, knowing our relationship with Him is based on what He has done through Jesus Christ. We will come before you, Lord, in wonder, wonder. We will fall on our knees and surrender. We surrender to you. And now here is part three of Cheryl's message titled, The New Covenant Life. Here's another reason that we can be content. Jesus does not change. He is the same. And what he is for someone else, he will be for me. He is the same. What Jesus did in Hebrews chapter 11 for the saints of faith, he is waiting and ready to do for you who believe. What Jesus has done for others, he will do for us. We don't need to be covetous because Jesus is an equal opportunity blesser. As he has done for those of faith in the past, he will do for those of faith in the present, and he will do for those of faith in the future. Now, the new covenant affects our activities. I'm sorry I'm going long, but this is the last one. Consider it a two-parter. Now we're in part two. Under the new covenant, we are not to be carried away. So we're not, you know, our activity, we're not to be carried away with various doctrines. The word doctrine is didascally. It means teachings. We are not to be carried away with various teachings. We are to be grounded in the word of God. We are to have our heart established by grace. Now see these other teachings that he's talking about had to do with regulations. And remember how he's talking to them about the regulations and the rituals? That what we have in the new covenant is so much greater, so much better than what those in the old covenant had. It is no longer about eat this, don't eat that, which did no good to those who lived under it. But our hearts are to be established by grace. In other words, our hearts are established on not what we do for God, but what God has done for us through Jesus Christ in this new covenant. It's all about what God has done, not about what we do. Because all the good that we can do is of no good unless it's done by the power of Jesus Christ. So we are not to be carried about. Our hearts are, here's the activity, established. Here's a verb, established by grace. Not by our righteousness, but all about what the Lord has done for us. It is not about the foods, what we eat or don't eat. It's not whether you're keto or paleo or Atkins or Whole30. That doesn't make you more spiritual. Those of you who have been on those diets know that it doesn't make you more spiritual. 
The law, the rules have never improved anyone. No one's ever profited those who are occupied and overly occupied. And that's what happens when you start to dwell on the rules, you become overly occupied with them. I, I had a friend and every time she'd read the Bible, she'd be like, okay, I should do this and I shouldn't do this. And I talked to her, she's like, I'm trying to do this and I know I should do this and I should do this and I shouldn't do this. So I'm staying away from this. I'm like, you're putting yourself under new laws and different laws. You're to be under grace. Lord, I see this. This is right. I agree with it. Work it in me. Do it in me, Lord. I give you my life. Just do it in me so that when it's done, you're, you're not like, well, I did this and that and this. No, you're like, oh man, I'm such a miracle. Jesus is working it through me and in me and out of me. The emphasis is not what I'm doing or have done or going to do. Rather, the emphasis and concentration and consideration is all that Jesus has done because he has given us an altar to eat from, an altar that the priest weren't allowed to eat from. When the burnt offerings and the sin offerings were offered, the priest could have no part of that. They had to be completely consumed by fire. But the other offerings, the peace offering, the fellowship offering, these other offerings, the priests could have a portion of, but not the burnt or the sin offerings. He is saying that offering which the priest could not eat. We are partakers in the life of Jesus Christ, the ultimate burnt offering, the ultimately ultimate sin offering. We are partakers of. We have a part of. When we take communion and we eat the bread, and we drink the cup from the cup, we are reminded that we are partakers. We are eating from the altar that the priests have no right to eat from. Under the rituals, under the old covenant, they could not have their sins forgiven, just covered. But we eat from a greater altar. We are sanctified by his blood. Therefore, our activity, verse 13, with Jesus is to fully associate with him. The burnt offering, the sin offering was offered outside the camp of Israel for the people. And so he said, Jesus was offered outside of the camp of Israel, outside of Jerusalem, that he might be the sacrifice for the entire world. But we, he's talking to these Jews, you're going to have to go outside of the camp, outside of Judaism. You're going to have to go outside and fully associate with Jesus Christ, bearing his reproach, bearing his rejection. There's going to be a cost, but our activity is to fully associate with Jesus. I am a Christian. I think of that story I heard about Columbine when the gunman, you know, stormed into the room and he said, is anyone a Christian? And that young girl jumped up and said, I am. And he shot her. That full association with Jesus Christ. Don't you know that the angels rejoiced and sang 
the moment she entered the gates of heaven. She's here! She did it! Hallelujah! I mean, don't you know the rejoicing that went on? As Paul said, inexpressible sounds fully associate, this is an activity, fully associate with Jesus. Then we seek, here's another activity, the kingdom of God that is to come. We seek the rulership of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And we look for a kingdom, not on earth. That's why we're not covetous. We look for a kingdom in heaven where our treasure is, where our Savior lives and dwells and rules. In Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I think of all those who come to the United States to work and make money and send it back home so their relatives can buy a house, can buy furniture, can buy food, because someday they're going to go back to that place and they've already furnished it. And that's how we are. We've come to the earth to make faith and to use faith as much as possible to build our home in the heavenly kingdom. We don't expect perfection from this world, but from the city that is coming. The new covenant activity offers new sacrifices. In verse 15, that sacrifice is praise to God, and it's continual. I think about how David hired the singers to sing continually in Jerusalem so that you would know you were near Jerusalem when you heard the praise of God, the singing. And he tells us that it is the fruit of our lips, fruit. Fruit grows from a tree. Those of you who market might not know that. Fruit comes off trees. So fruit is something that is born out of the abundance of the heart. It is the fruit from the heart. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. When we praise the Lord, it is because of the heart activity. When the heart brims over with love, and understanding and a vision of Jesus, it can't help but come out the mouth. It can't help but begin to come from our lips, the praise, thanksgiving for what he has done and who he is. And then we are to be doing good. Verse 16, where, uh, the word good in the Greek means beneficial. We're going to be doing what is a benefit to others and then sharing with others, using your talents and your gifts to bless others. Do you know your gift, your talent is not just for yourself, but it's to bless others in the body, to, to bless people. These are the sacrifices of the new covenant, not animals, but praise and our giftings, our talents, we bring these to the Lord. We share them with others. And God is well placed. It blesses God. 
We make God smile. One of my favorite things was to make my dad smile. I just, well, you know, those of you who knew him knew that wasn't hard. He was like, but to make him really smile. I, I love to, I collected, I said, dad, give me your favorite recipes that your mom made for you. And so we went through his mom's recipe box together and he pulled out all of his favorite. One of them was a chocolate prune cake, but he pulled out all of his favorite recipes that his mom used to make. And so every week I would make him one of those recipes. And yes, the chocolate prune cake, which I wouldn't even touch with a 10 foot pole. But as he was eating, he's like, yep, this is it. Just like my mom used to make it. And I was like, I was crying. I was so happy. Is it? Is it? It's so gross. I'm so glad you love it. But I would make, um, you know, my grandma's cinnamon rolls. Cheryl, I remember one time he goes, Cheryl, I can die now. You've done it. You know how to make, he was holding it, grandma's cinnamon rolls. I'm like, Dad, that's not exactly the reaction I wanted. But, you know, these are the gifts that make God smile. That he says, this is it. This is good. And God is well pleased with. Another activity, verse 17, obey those who rule over you. Be submissive or cooperate with them. In other words, don't always be critiquing, criticizing, and judging those who are speaking the word of God to you. Recognize that leadership is watching out for your souls. And so cooperate so that leadership can go forward with you with joy. As a leader, we are often privy to information that no one else knows. And we are making decisions on that. When someone is released from the church, others don't know the reason, but there's a reason. Sometimes it's a good reason. Sometimes it's a moral reason, but there's a reason. But then people get involved in it. Unless I know everything, I'm not going to accept your decision. I'm not going to agree to your decision. I won't cooperate with your decision until you tell me. And there is a need to simply cooperate because leadership knows things. And in leadership, we are protecting the guilty, the innocent, and the victims, and the body of Christ. We do not want the gospel of Jesus tarnished. We don't want the world coming in to these things. And so in leadership, we will do things in the best interest of the church and in the best interest of the witness of the church to the world. And therefore, we need to cooperate. In verse 18, the activity of the new covenant is prayer. And he talks about intercessory prayer. Pray for us. Leadership needs prayer. And he says, pray that we have a good conscience. That we're free of guilt. That we don't make mistakes. That we don't have regrets. That we live honorable lives. And that people can see that honorable life. Obviously, the author of Hebrews believed in prayer, believed in the power of prayer because he asked for it personally. 
Prayer is not a mystical practice. It is simply talking to God. Talking to God. There's no method. There's no structure required. We just talk to God whenever about whatever. Moses said to the Israelites, you are the blessed of all people because you have a God that you can talk to about whatever is going on in your life. I'm paraphrasing. We have a God that cares about us and we can talk to him about everything. Hudson Taylor said this, it is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. It is possible. It is possible. Years ago, Rosemary Goforth, who was the wife of Jonathan Goforth, they were missionaries for a long time in China and had incredible success in China uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. She w- when they moved back uh, to Canada, she was asked to speak at a church. And before she spoke, the pastor said to her, now don't talk about prayer because we are a very educated church and we all know that prayer doesn't work. And we don't believe in prayer anymore. You know, just tell us what went on in China. And so she sat down and she wrote a message on prayer. And she wrote a book from that message. And it says, how I know that God answers prayer. And in that book, she has her prayer request, a scripture and God's answer. A prayer request from and a testimony of how God answered it's, it's amazing how I know God answers prayer. God is working. And now he says the advantages and affirmation of this divine new covenant that we have. We are not going to love in our own strength or by our own strength or according to the law, but we do this by the power that is invested in us by this new covenant by the new covenant we have that Jesus established for us with his own blood. We now have the God of all peace, all peace, all shalom. He is the source. He is the power. He owns the entire inventory of peace. And again, this word peace is welfare, victory, prosperity, health, He owns whatever you need to have your best life on earth. He has come to give us life and that more abundantly, John 10, 10. The God who has the resurrection power, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. This is the same power God releases in us. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. Paul prays that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is the power, the same power that God will work in you. Resurrection power. The resurrection power proves that The sacrifice of Jesus was accepted, that death was conquered forever, and the new covenant was inaugurated and is now in full force. So that resurrection power works in us. And then Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
the one who cares for our welfare to the point of having given his own blood for us. Make you complete, perfect you, give you everything you lack. Philippians 1, 6, Paul said, I am confident in this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will finish it, will finish it, will perfect it. Philippians 2.13, Paul says, for it is God who works in you to will, to want, to want his will and to do of his own good pleasure. So the author here says, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. This is how this happens. We give ourselves more to the Lord. We live in the new covenant and we become more loving. We have the right affections. We have the right activity and it is God-inspired, God-enabled. This is our advantage. This is our affirmation. This is our assurance in everything. We have the God of all peace who raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, working in us, equipping us and watching out for us. The author concludes with a few final notes and their personal notes. And again, he says, bear, you know, thank you for bearing with this short word of exhortation. I don't know what he considers short. I wish he and Brian had the same thoughts. except for when he's preaching, appealing to his readers, showing them all that they have through the new covenant that Jesus established. It took him 13 chapters, and he says, I haven't even given you the full story. 13 chapters, and there's so much more. So much more. Then he says, Timothy has been set free, and I am confident that I will soon come in the company of Timothy to you. Now, obviously, he was writing this from Italy because he sends his greetings. And he says, and all the leadership and all the saints from Italy greet you. And his final closing, which is the same closing Paul used in every epistle, grace be with you all. There's no stronger force, no higher power than God's grace working in and through us. The author of Hebrews wrote this letter of exhortation that we might fully understand and appreciate the new covenant that Jesus has brought to us. This amazing covenant. And it's amazing because of who? The very Son of God, the Messiah, the great shepherd of the sheep established it for us. It is amazing because of how the great shepherd of the sheep established it with his own life, with his own blood, taking it to the holiest place of all, the throne of God. And it is amazing because of all we have through it, the forgiveness of sins, acceptance, access to the very throne room of grace where we obtain mercy and strength to help in the time of need. It's amazing because it gives us a high priest who understands us and empathizes with us and loves us and prays for us. So we are to lit this covenant, this new covenant that he has written 13 chapters on truly, truly work on our affections and our activity 
and our affirmation and to understand all the advantages that we have because we are in and under the authority of the new covenant. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace is powerful, and there's no stronger force and no higher power than God's grace working in and through us. The author of Hebrews wrote this letter of exhortation that we might fully understand and appreciate it. By this grace, Jesus came to his own creation so he could sacrifice his own life and blood and establish the new covenant. All so we could have forgiveness of sin, allowing us to enter into his presence and receive all the promises he has for us. May we think upon this grace and allow it to truly work in our lives, affecting everything we do. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll begin a new series called Our Great Creator in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.